you have your Bibles tonight, we're interested in the book of 1 Peter, chapter number 2. A very familiar text tonight, 1 Peter, chapter number 2. I'll ask you if you would stand to your feet as we reverence the reading of God's word. 1 Peter chapter 2, I want to begin reading in verse number 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. That is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12, if correctly read. I want to preach on this tonight, God being our helper. Mercy to the pilgrims. Mercy to the pilgrims. Father, I thank you tonight for the privilege you've given us of gathering in your house. I thank you, Father, for the privilege of being your child you saved us, and I praise you, and I honor you. You've done more for me than I could ever spend eternity thanking you for. And Lord, I glorify your most holy name. Father, I thank you for the good songs of Zion that our hearts have just heard. And Lord, I thank you for Brother Africio, his family that you've given him, and the ministry, God, that you've placed in his hands. Lord, I pray, God, that his hands are surrounded by your hands and you would do a great work in his life for the cause of Christ. Father, thank you for allowing us now tonight, Lord, to look into this portion of thy word. We give you thanks for all things. We ask now you touch us, help us, lead us, guide us, and minister through us, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, amen. amen. Appreciate you being here. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. In September of 1620, 102 travelers, they called them religious separatists, they boarded a little ship called the Mayflower. 66 days later, they landed in Plymouth, Massachusetts. That voyage from Southampton, England to Plymouth, Massachusetts, is what we know today, was not without peril. Some of them passed away. Some of the crew passed away just in getting there. When they landed just over that winter, 60 of those people died. Now they're left with 40 pilgrims that's made their way across the ocean. And we know that in 1621, they had what was known as a harvest feast. It was by the mercy and the plan of God. God used a man, an Indian, by the name of Squanto, who had been captured, he had been enslaved and taken back to England where he learned the English language. He was allowed to come back home 
to what is we know America and he came to those colonists who knew nothing of growing corn, who had no idea how to, how to fish and, and to catch uh, the cod that were there. And he, having been trained in the English language, began to speak with them. And he taught them about fishing and planting corn and stalking deer and planting pumpkins and skinning beavers and what type of berries were good and what type of berries were bad. And in exchange, they taught him about a man by the name of Jesus. And Squanto got saved. The governor was William Bradford. He had much to say about the things of God that were taking place there. And as they had that first harvest festival, they were giving thanks unto God. Thanks unto who? Thanks unto God. You know, if you're having Thanksgiving meal, who are you giving thanks to? People that don't believe in God. People say there is no God. Why gather for Thanksgiving? Who are you giving thanks to? Honey, you're giving thanks to Almighty God. Amen. George Washington, he proclaimed November the 26th, 1789, that it would be a national day of prayer and thanksgiving. And in 1863, President Lincoln proclaimed that that Thursday at the end of November would be thanksgiving. There was a man, a great preacher, by the name of Matthew Henry, he's an old-time preacher, out of the late 1600s and early 1700s, Matthew Henry was robbed. This is what he wrote. I am thankful I was never robbed before. I am thankful they took my wallet and not my life. I am thankful that though they took all, it was not very much. And I'm thankful that I was the one who was robbed instead of the one going and doing the robbing. Even when we're robbed, there are things that we can be thankful for. You may look in your situation tonight and say, Preacher, it's so bad, I don't know what to do. Honey, if you'd look, there's a lot to be thankful for. The Bible says out of the book of Romans, that about the people that are reprobate, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful we live in a day and an age where there is a sense of entitlement rather than the spirit of thanksgiving. I just want to take time out tonight and say, God has been good. And I praise Him and I honor Him. Apostle Paul wrote to us in 2 Timothy chapter 3 about the last days, perilous times would come. And he said that men would be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful. Jesus cleansed 10 lepers. Only one came back to be thankful. Hey, God's people are called pilgrims. Pilgrims because this world is not our home. We're simply passing through on our way to another land on our way to home, amen, where I'm a citizen of that country, amen. Now, Peter is writing to pilgrims and to strangers, and certainly not, that's who you and I are. And our country was founded when a bunch of pilgrims made their way to the United States, what we know today as the United States. And Peter is making a passionate plea. He says, I beseech you. Oh, verse 11, I beseech you as strangers and 
He's begging. He's imploring. Hey, church tonight, we're pilgrims. Church tonight, we're strangers. We're on our way out of this land. Now, I just want to say this tonight. Uh, we look, number one, three things. Number one, he's reminding us in verse nine of our identity. Think about it. Who are we? Now, listen, there's something different about you. I knew it when you walked in. You're separate. The Lord saved you. You're different than this world. Praise God for that. And I don't identify, and neither do you identify with the world anymore. But he says in verse 9, you are a chosen generation. Now, we live in a crooked and a perverse world. We, we, we live in a mess. We, we live in a messed up world. But God chose to save you, and he chose to save me. He chose us. You say, no, Pastor Aaron, I chose him. No, honey, he chose you before you ever chose him. He died on the cross before he was ever born, amen. He chose you. He knew, amen. Thank God you and I are a chosen generation. Who are we? He goes on, he says, you're a royal priesthood. Think about it. You're the children of the most high God. You run around here with your head down and, and you have an inferiority complex when you get around Dr. Doolittle and, and Reverend Sounding Brass and Dr. Tinkling Symbol. You have this inferiority complex. Honey, let me tell you, you're a royal priesthood. You're a chosen generation. God has blessed us as to be the children of a most high God. Why allow the world to put pressure on you to conform to it when you, according to the word of God, outrank it, amen. Praise God. Read on. He says you're a holy nation. Oh, some people are scared of the word holy. Oh, well, you have a Holy Spirit living in you. You have a holy Bible in your lap, amen. You serve a thrice holy God, amen. You and I are to be a holy nation. He goes on, he says, you are a peculiar people. Hey, the world should know that you and I are different. We're not like the world, amen. Amen. We are of the world, but we're not of the world, amen. One of these days, we're leaving this old world. Goodbye, world. Goodbye. Hey, we're his people. We're the sheep of his pasture, the people of God. You ever gathered sometimes at the Thanksgiving table and you have your family and your extended family and some of their honored guests and their friends and and sometimes you look around and you say, am I really related to these people? You ever had that thought? I mean, the, how do I get related to these people? Those are my cousins. That, but I'm going to tell you something. Here's the thing. You're the one that's peculiar. You're not like the world. Amen. God's called you to come out of the world. To be ye separate, saith the Lord. Now, I look at verse 11. Verse 11 says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers. Strangers. Would you, would you turn back in the book of Ephesians with me? We'll, we'll read some other scripture. The book of Ephesians, I want to turn to chapter 2. The book of Ephesians chapter number 2. You remember, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Look at verse 12. It's talking about you being a stranger. Verse 12. That at that time, talking about when you were without Christ, before you were saved, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and, there's our word, strangers 
from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. Ephesians 2.12. You and I were strangers, strangers to God. That's what we were. But Jesus died for us, shed his blood that we might be saved, was buried, and on the first day rose again. And he saw fitness in the Holy Spirit to knock on our heart's door. Jesus stood, and we opened the door, and we invited him in, and he saved us, thank God. And now we're no longer strangers. Well, while you're here, look at verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but, I like that, fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Who are we? We are the children of God, a peculiar people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Hey, God has blessed us, chosen generation. We were strangers to God, but no more. After we got saved, we're no more strangers to God. Now, we're strangers to the world. I ask you a question. Are you a stranger to God or are you a stranger to the world? Amen. Go back to our text. We've discussed being strangers in verse number 11. Look, he says, and pilgrims. And pilgrims. A pilgrim is one from a foreign country that leaves and comes to another land and resides amongst and with the natives of that other land. They're a sojourner. They're not there to stay in a strange place. Hey, I've already said it. We're just pilgrims here simply passing through. Don't drive your tent pegs too deep, amen. This is a temporary stay. Now, I'm going to say something that will be a little touchy. Over at the school, uh, I can think about years gone by, we've had Thanksgiving dinners and I've seen some of the kids dress up like pilgrims. And this year I didn't see any of them dressed like pilgrims. You know what they dressed up like? Turkeys. They dressed up like turkeys. And I thought about that. I thought, you know what, truthfully, the world in which we live is dressing up like turkeys. But God's called you and I to dress up like pilgrims. I'm not talking about them weird shoes. I'm not talking about them weird hats. I'm telling you that God's called you and I to be different. We're not supposed to be a bunch of turkeys, amen. We're supposed to be pilgrims passing through this land and strangers on our way home. That's who we are. Now, now that we've identified who we are, what are we supposed to do? What is our identity? What are we supposed to do? Go back to our text, verse 9. He says, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Here's what you're supposed to do. That you should show forth the praises of him. You know what you're supposed to do, pilgrim? You know what you're supposed to do, stranger? Now, the world's going to look at you funny when I, I say this. They're going to look at you funny, but you know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to praise him. You're supposed to honor him. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the Christ. He is the day star. He is the everlasting Father. He is God. He is holy and he is harmless. He is Emmanuel. He is Jesus. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is Master, Messiah, merciful, magnificent, and mighty. He is the name above all names. He's omnipotent, omnipresent. Amen. He's the quick. He's the redeemer. He's the savior. He 
He's the triumph. He's the unique one. He's the victor. He's the witness. He's the all-wise one. Amen. He's the excellent one. He is Yahweh. He's the zeal of the Lord and the zenith of my hopes and the zenith of my expectations. Praise ye the Lord. That's what we're supposed to do. And when we do it, people think we're weird. When we do it, people think we're peculiar. Well, that's good because that's who I am. When we do it, people think, well, who do you, we're a holy nation. Hey, turn with me, turn with me. Psalm 146, I believe it is. Psalm 146. What are we supposed to do? Psalm 146. Psalm 146. I want to look at the very first verse. Psalm 146, verse number one. Praise ye the Lord. Look at the verse number 10, the last verse of that chapter. Praise ye the Lord. It starts with praise and it ends with praise. Psalm 147, verse number one. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. And it ends with praise ye the Lord. Amen. Psalm 148, it starts. Praise ye the Lord. I wonder how it ends. Praise ye the Lord. Psalm 149, you ought to help me. It starts. Praise ye the Lord. You know how it ends? Praise ye the Lord. I'm not done yet. Psalm 150, it starts. Praise ye the Lord. You know how it ends? Praise ye the Lord. Five straight psalms, five the number of grace. God has called you and I to praise his holy name. Well, preacher Darren, I'm just... I'm trying to figure out the will of God for my life. I just don't know what he wants me to do. I have an idea. I think he wants you to praise him. I think he wants you to give him thanks, amen. I think he wants you to worship him, amen. Hey, I think that'd be the will of God, amen. Well, where we are. Let's see where we were. Back to our First Peter chapter 2. Where were we? The Bible says that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness. I was in darkness. But he's brought me into his marvelous light. We're to walk in the light. We're not to walk in darkness. We're not to dwell in darkness. Uh, Brother Emil over home, uh, one time Luke with my little boy, uh, he would have been playing there and he would build a tent and, and a fort in the middle of our living room. And uh, we would always make him clean it up. And one night I went on to bed and his mama didn't make him clean it up. And I awoke in the night needing a drink of water. And I didn't cut the lights on. I was, you know, didn't want to alert myself too much. I've been through the house many times. I'll walk down the hall. I'll go through the living room. I'll go to the kitchen and get a drink of water. And boom, bam, bam, bam. I started running over that tent. I fell on this. I hit a chair. Quilt fell on top of me. I'm telling you, I was laying in the floor. Hockey stick here. And, and, I, and I, a basketball fell over there. My wife got up. She said, what in the world? I said, that boy did not clean up his mess. She said, well, what man would walk in darkness? Amen. And I said, well, this is my home. And the Lord said, hey, this is your, just, this is your pilgrim home. You're passing through. Your problem is you've got too comfortable here. 
walking in the darkness. I didn't call you to walk in the darkness. I called you to walk in the marvelous light of Almighty God. We spent too much time in the darkness, church. Let's be the light and let's get in the light. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5. Help me, Jesus. Ephesians chapter 5. I want to look at another verse of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 8. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Amen. Sometimes over at the school, I have to have a meeting, not just with the staff, but with all the students. I'll put them on the volleyball lines that surround the gym. 122 people, we stand around there and I'll talk to them and and I'll say, some of y'all, let me tell you, you need to act like you have sense. And I want to say this to the church tonight. You need to start acting like you have some sense. God didn't call you to dwell and to walk in darkness. He called you to walk in the light. He called you to praise Him. He called you to glorify His name. Quit being ashamed. Hey, this world, I don't care what they think about me. This world's not my home anyway. I'm not here to please them. I'm here to please my Savior. So we see that Peter is reminding us of our identity. Pilgrims, know who you are. Now, if tonight the president or the governor had said you couldn't be here for this, that, or the other, I mean, there'd been some of you fighting mad. I mean, you'd, you'd have wanted to have a war or a battle if somebody said you couldn't come to church. However, you are in a battle already with your flesh. Your flesh is at war against you. And look, listen to me, you're not real upset about that. You get upset if somebody says, hey, here's a sign that says don't walk on the grass. Right? They say, I can't do it. I want to do it. But the flesh is at war against you, and you're not a bit upset about that. And I'm telling you, you need to declare war on your old stinking, rotten, wretched, filthy flesh. Pilgrim, you're under attack tonight by your flesh. It's, listen, oh boy. Look at verse 11. Number two, we're to restrain from impurity. Verse 11, verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you, that means I implore you, I beg you, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Here we go. Three things. You need to have some temperance. That means self-control. You need to temper your appetite. Oh, you're preaching that before I eat turkey or mashed potatoes tomorrow. No, no, no. I'm talking about your old lust of the flesh. I'm telling you, you need to have some temperance. We live in a self-indulging society. And Peter admonished them to abstain. What does that mean? It means to hold oneself back. The word temperance is a fruit of the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from all appearance of evil. Verse 11, it says, abstain from fleshly lust, that's temperance, which war against the soul. That's a temptation. Sometimes, Brother Rim, I feel like I'm warring all week long. Let me say that again. 
Sometimes I feel like I am at war all week long. Who you warring with, preacher dad? Who you upset with? Who's giving you trouble? Oh, I'm going to name them. How about my flesh? I have trouble with it very often. Amen? Oh, yes. Hey, turn back to the book of James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse number 1. Some of you, you've come in tonight, you've, there's been a war. You've been a fight in the flesh. You, you've been fighting resisting. Listen, James chapter 4, verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your own lusts that war in your members? Oh my, there's a war in your flesh, a war in your members, amen. Turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. I know it's Thanksgiving Eve, but I'm just trying to, to help you tonight, trying to encourage you. In the book of Romans chapter number 7. Book of Romans chapter number 7. Can I read verse 18? Let's just watch right here. This is Apostle Paul. How many of y'all believe Apostle Paul was a man of God? Led of the Holy Spirit. For I know that in me, parentheses, that is in my flesh, close parentheses, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it but sin that dwelleth in me. Look at verse 23. I see another law in my members, warring, there's their word, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh, I serve, or excuse me, with the flesh, the law of sin. Oh my, I'm talking about temptation. We've been warring against our eyes. What you been looking at? Warring against our hands. Warring against our mouths. Warring against our minds. Warring against our hearts lusting after things, wanting to gossip and rumor and tear things down. Amen. Pilgrim, passing through, I'm trying to encourage you. Go back with me now to our text, verse, verse number 12 now. Verse 12 says, Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. Your conversation, that means your manner of life, your, your conduct. Hear me, amongst, honest amongst the Gentiles, whereas they speak against you as evildoers, that they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. He's talking about your testimony. I want to say something to you. Are you saved? I want to give you an illustration. You take a horse that's wild, it's a feral horse, never been broken. He's braying, kicking high. But when the master goes to him and begins to break him and when he puts the saddle and when he puts the bridle on the horse, 
the horse now having been broken, serving the master, the horse has been forever changed. Did you know that there have been horses that maybe they got through a fence and they ran off and you know where they went? They went back to their old wild buddies. They went back to the old wild horses and stallions they used to run with and guess what? Those old wild stallions will reject them. They don't want anything to do with them. You know why? Because they're a broken horse. They're the master's horse and they're unbroken horses and they know, the world knows and it doesn't want anything to do with you. Hear me? The world doesn't want you back. The devil may, but the world doesn't want you back. The prodigal son, he was the son. And when he got in want, he was in the hog lot. Who gave to him? Nobody. The world rejected him too. You remember Abraham when he said about his wife, she is my sister, and when they figured it all out, they kicked him out of Egypt. You know why? He wasn't welcome there. The world's not his home. They know all about that. Amen. What about Simon Peter? Simon Peter, you're one of them. No, I'm not one of them. Oh, yes, you are one of them. No, I'm not one of them. Oh, your speech betrayeth you. And he began to cuss and talk like the world, but still they wouldn't have him because they knew he was different. What about Jonah? They threw him overboard. They didn't want anything else to do with him. Hear me? The world tonight, you can't go back. They'll not have you. You may think, oh, I'll get back my buddies and I'll go back. It won't work. It'll never be the same. You know why? Because Jesus is your master and Jesus has broken you. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. That's your testimony. Now, thirdly, and I'm done. What's the results of your integrity? Whereas they speak against you as evildoers. You know the world will speak against you. Hopefully what they say against you is a lie. Hopefully what they say against you is false. Percy Ray told me, a great, great preacher here from the United States, he said, oh, don't worry about if they tell them lies on you. I said, what? Don't worry about if they lie on you. That tears me up. I hate it when they lie on me. He said, I don't worry about it. I said, why? He said, because it ain't true. That'll dawn on you sometime. You get so tore up, you get on Facebook and TikTok and Faceplant and all the things you do, amen. I'm telling you, because somebody lied, somebody said this, honey, you ought to rejoice because it's not true. Woe to you if it is true. I want to read chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 16. I'm almost done. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you, as of evildoers, that they, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better, if the will of God be so, that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Pastor Darren, I don't think God would make you suffer for doing good. Oh, really? I point to you a cross. Jesus committed no sin. He had no iniquity, no trespass. What'd they do to him? Yeah, but that was the will of God. They crucified him. And I'm telling you something, this world is not your home. They want to crucify you. They want to tear you up. They want to destroy you. They're going to reject you. Hey, if they receive you, it won't be for long. They'll regurgitate you. They'll spit you out. They don't want anything to do with you. Amen. Now listen to me. Listen to me. 
What he's saying here, it's better if you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. What about Job? What's it? Job suffered. He was bankrupt of all his possessions. He was bereaved of all of his children. He, he got uh, uh, boils all over his body. His, his bride said, cuss God and die. His buddies were miserable comforters. Think about it. Hey, man, hey, if you can suffer for doing well. It's better for you to suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Now, why? Look with me. The, verse 12 again. That they may by your good works, which they shall behold. You see, they're there watching you. Glorify God in the day of visitation. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen. When pressure and stress and times to conform to the world get on, what do you do? Are you letting the light shine? Or are you starting to act like the world again? You start getting back off. And hey, Jesus said when those situations come, I've allowed this darkness to come into your life. Oh, thank you, Lord. I've allowed this time of darkness to come in your life that you may glorify me. And the world will see how are they doing this. It'll be by me. And they'll glorify. They'll see that God has blessed you through this terrible time. Can I read out of Hebrews? I'm done right here. Hebrews chapter number 11, that great hall of faith, you know, where Abraham, he was going to receive an inheritance and he obeyed and, and by faith he, he walked and, and how God blessed him and his wife to have a child. Verse 13, verse 13, he's looking for the promised land. He's looking for a better country. Hebrews eleven thirteen. are you there? Say amen. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They were laughed at, ridiculed, rejected, made fun of, went through difficult times. But you know what? They were persuaded that God was able. I want to read, let's, let's just jump down here to verse number 36. And others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered. There's a pilgrim. There's a stranger. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Look what our writer adds. A parenthetical statement is inside information that you might have a better understanding. Look what he says in parentheses. Of whom the world was not worthy. The world was not worthy of the chosen generation, of the peculiar people, of the holy nation, of the pilgrims and the strangers that was passing through. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Are you ready now? Sit down, put your seatbelt on, buckle in. God 
having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. I want to read one more verse. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, I'm done. Friend, you don't need to assimilate to the world. You don't need to, con- you don't need to conform to the world. Listen, are you listening to me? There's more to being a pilgrim than just eating a turkey. Amen. That's Bible 101. First John 2, 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he, the pilgrims and the strangers, he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Aren't you glad that God has extended mercy? I didn't spend a lot of time on verse 10, but when we didn't have mercy, when we looked to him, he gave us mercy. And there's mercy to the pilgrims tonight, amen. We that are undeserving, we that are unworthy, he's given us mercy to be called the children of a most high God. Stand with me tonight. Father, we thank you and we praise you for your word. Now, Lord, if there's somebody watching, somebody listening, somebody in the congregation, God, that's not right with you, God, that's walking according to the world, God, I pray you'd speak to their heart. Lord, God, I pray tonight there might be somebody here say, you know what, preacher, it's just good to be reminded about my identity. It's just good to be reminded. Uh, Lord, as I, as I just pause, maybe there's somebody here. Maybe, maybe tonight, here you are, it's Thanksgiving Eve. You might ought to slip down here to that altar and say, you know what, Lord, I've got something to thank you for. I've got something I want to praise you for. I want to get in that altar and I want to praise my God. Uh, he didn't have to select or choose me, he, but he's God and in his mercy, he saved me. In his mercy, he dealt with my soul. Oh, Father, tonight I praise you. I honor you. I glorify your most holy name. Lord, I thank you for this, thy people. And God, I ask your blessing upon them. God, I pray for our family members. God, there are people tonight, God, in this world that need to be saved. God, I have enemies that need to be saved. I have friends that need to be saved. I have family that needs to be saved. God, would you have mercy? Would you extend your grace? God, would you save them? And God, having having ministered to us tonight, God, reminding us of our identity, telling us that when dark storms and trials come, that my family... My friends, this world that's at enmity against me, God, they're watching my life and how I react. And God, how do I react to trouble? How do I react to trials? Lord, do I humble myself? God, am I am I willing to keep serving God in the middle of the problem? Or do I act like the world? God, if I'm acting like them, I'm not being the testimony and the witness that you've called me to be. So Lord, I ask you tonight, God, to grant me temperance. Help me, God, I pray, to have a testimony. God, before this world, that when they see, Father, God, us praising and serving God through trials and hardships in good times and bad, God, that they'll say, I don't have what he has. Lord, I ask your blessing. 
I seek your face. And God, I glorify your name. Thank you, God, for my family. Thank you, God, for all you do for us. But most importantly, I thank you for Jesus Christ who gave his life and for the mercy and grace that you've extended to me. I ask your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want you to stand. Nobody move. Just stand. Stand. Get up. Stand. Wherever you are, just stand. Look at me. Years ago, my daddy got very, very sick. And he had three surgeries. And we were sure he was going to die. He was in a flat coma. And I begged God. I said, God, if you'll heal my daddy, I'll do whatever you want me to. God had already dealt with me for almost a year about preaching. And God said, I'm going to heal him. You preach. I said, Lord, if you'll heal him, I'll tell everybody from the pulpit. And while I was praying, before I ever said amen, his hand came out from underneath the sheet and he started waving just like this. And he said, praise God. Before I could ever say amen. You, it might not do anything for you, but I'm telling you tonight because of my vow that I made to him, many, to God many years ago, I'm telling you tonight. I can remember when he was weeping and crying before those surgeries and, and before the Lord healed him that night. And, and uh, I said, Dad, you're in pain. I'll go get you medicine. And he caught my coattail and he said, No, no, you don't understand. God chose me to suffer this for his glory. I didn't understand it. Why would God put my daddy in such pain? God, where are you? I found out where he was. Just a few weeks later, he was on a throne watching over the whole trial and he healed my daddy. I saw it. I stood up, spoke. 23 people got saved. One of them was my wife. Now listen, I haven't even surrendered to preach yet. I just stood up to speak and to share what God was doing. I hadn't even run up the white flag of surrender. One of them was my wife. This is what she said. Will you hear me? Now hear me. She said, honey, she's a better person than I ever thought about being. I didn't even know she was lost. I thought she was saved. I believe she's saved. She'd read her Bible. She said, honey, she said, I saw your daddy laying there in that trial. And I saw his tears. And I saw his love for God through that trial. And I saw the peace that he had. And she said, I realized right there that he had something that I didn't have. He had peace when there should be no peace. And he had joy when there should be no joy. And I realized right there that he was peculiar. <laughs> you see, why in the middle of your trial, why in the middle of your darkness, why in the middle of your circumstance and your situation that you need to keep glorifying God? Because you're witnessing to maybe your daughter-in-law. You're witnessing to your girl or your boy. You're witnessing to your brother or your sister. You're witnessing without saying a word. You're giving witness. And my wife got saved. Woo! Got Holy Ghost saved. Amen. Simply sitting there watching my daddy go through a trial and watching him praise the Lord. I'm telling you something, y'all. There's more to just being a pilgrim than eating a turkey. Amen. 
you can go back to your seat. Thank you tonight. God bless you. I just felt like I needed to say that before we stirred around too much. You may say, Pastor, maybe there really is a purpose to the hard times I'm going through. Maybe there really is a purpose to the difficulty I'm experiencing. Maybe I'm trying to be a witness to someone that's lost and I have no idea who it even is. Boy, if you've tuned in online tonight, happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for tuning in tonight. We'll be praying for you, and I pray that you'll pray for us. I hope you can tune back in on Sunday. Good night. God bless you. Thank you for watching tonight.